right. So, on your mark, get set, go. Let's do Come it. Come on! The Dory Monson Show on Cairo Radio. This is The Big Lead. Coming to you from the Carter Silver of Stodio. Welcome. Welcome to our top stories this hour. We'll keep posted if there are any new developments on this police standoff with a armed man at the Snohomish County Courthouse. Uh, we do have a reporter on the scene, as you just heard, so we'll keep you posted on that one. Man, I have so much to get to here. Uh, Nicole, have you ever seen one of the, in, uh, when you go to those freak shows that you like to go to? Those- <laughs> You you enjoy the freak shows, don't you? Uh, is that a thing? Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I've been to a freak show. You know, you know what I've a geek is. I've seen some is. freaks. You know what a geek is. I know what a geek is. Yeah. What is a geek? I don't know. <laughs> I believe, if I'm not mistaken, a geek technical... is somebody who would bite the head off live chickens during those freak shows that you like to go to. Ugh. Well, that, yeah. I would not like to go to that. Yeah. Uh, wait, is that a geek? Or am I goofing this up? I think that's a geek. Anyway, uh, one of the staples of the freak shows, as you know, are the sword swallowers. Have you ever enjoyed I, seeing a I don't know if I've seen one, swallower. but, you know, I've seen some magician-types yeah. with things now, like that. That is the real but... deal. This is the uh, real one. So I've got some news about one of the uh, best-known sword swallowers. Uh, he's uh, from San Diego. His name is Scott Nelson. He also goes by the name Murrigan the Mystic. But I'm, ha- I'm, I'm sad to tell you that he has been hospitalized following an unrelated sword-swallowing mishap at a Six Flags amusement park. First responders were called to the scene uh, after reports of a medical emergency. Scott Nelson was transported to an area hospital, and uh, it says that five swords scissored in his abdominal cavity. Generally, you want the swords to just go straight down, and, and then you can pull them straight up. But as he was as he was pushing them down, two of the swords, or more than two, they uh, somehow crossed, and then they started scissoring to the outside. And uh, I actually it, have him describing it. Oh, I know, I know it. Here he is now. So what had happened is I was performing at the park, and uh, I swallowed five swords at once. But what had happened is I let go of the bunch too soon. And they scissored out inside of me, which means some of the blades went in different directions. Yeah, and so uh, did yeah. a lot of damage to this guy. Uh, he had to have part of his lung removed. Uh, the doctors were fearful that he would not recover from this health scare. And photos on his social media show numerous contusions, wounds, and stitches on his body. Did you see the picture of him? It I looks did. like he had swords sticking out of his side. Yeah, out of the, the like what would be his rib cage on his Ugh. side. Yeah. How do Lots you of... figure out you can do that? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, because I, I, I'm guessing my gag reflex would prevent me from ever swallowing a sword. Ugh. I would think most people's would. 
He's known, uh, Nelson's known for several acts, including being the only man in the world to swallow, <laughs> to swallow a rocket-powered sword. Rocket-powered sword. I don't have any additional information. Okay. But uh, he was the first man in the world to swallow a rocket-powered sword. Uh, he frequently refers to himself as the most dangerous man in show business and ace of swords. Uh, but after not being able to eat for a month, he says that uh, he, he thinks he'll continue to do magic, but he w- he's not going to do the sword swallowing anymore. And wow. I'm thinking, That's you know, I, I see a magician you know, 10 times a week, any, any day of the week. I mean, come on. But if, uh, the sword swallowers, swallowing would set this guy apart. Well, he's going to chicken out after just one uh, near fatal Chicken incident. out, yeah. yeah. Although I would uh, think that would, you know. I don't know. How do you go? I mean, that's your lifelong passion, and you just have to stop one day because you accidentally let go of the swords. sad. It's like when I'm going to have to give up this radio show someday. Uh, By the way, Nicole, just to confirm, uh, geek shows were an act in traveling carnivals and circuses of early America. They were often part of a larger sideshow. The Build Performers Act consisted of a single geek who stood in the center ring to chase live chickens, and it ended with the performer biting the chickens' heads off and swallowing them. So that's where the word geek comes from. You know, we've come a long way. As a society. society. And yet we still have a long way to go. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, we do. We maybe have further to wow. go now than we did back then. All right, so there's just... Um, a lot of education for everybody on uh, on the sword you know, swallower guy. And where else are you going to hear all this? No place. All right. With all that as mere prelude, let's get right to the big lead. The big lead. Top story. Speaking of a long way to go, I got an email from a listener. And, and we've heard a lot of talk lately about how downtown's getting a little bit better. But that's like saying gas prices have gone down one penny in the last year. You know, what that ignores is that gas prices went up a couple bucks a gallon in the two years before that. And downtown Seattle has gotten so desperately bad. And now they're saying, well, no, it's a tiny, tiny, tiny bit better. But if somebody hasn't been down there for a long time and they see it now, they're hor- They're shocked. I just want to share. Jeff and Squim sent me this email. For the first time in two years, I ventured from Squim to Seattle for a medical appointment. Downtown was missing something. Where are the people during the busy holiday season? So much graffiti. Lots of closed storefronts. What happened to 75% of Westlake's food court? But the real shock was going down to the light rail. Not only did the guy talking to himself and carrying bicycle parts fail to tap his Orca card, he started smoking meth once safely out of the wind. Right there on the escalator. He put the straw in his mouth, unwrapped the foil, and lit it up. I held my breath until I got clear of the poison he was exhaling. And then he sent me a picture of this guy halfway on down the escalator. And indeed, the guy's got a hood up, and he's looking down like he's trying to light up his makeshift meth pipe. And it's, if you haven't been downtown for a couple of years, 
It's shocking how horrible it is. But this is what happens when you have the people we've had on the city council and in the mayor's office for the last 10 years as it's gotten progressively worse and worse and worse. You know, when Bruce Harrell wanted to decriminalize violence. And, and then you have Lisa Herbold. I don't know if you know this about her. She's the grandma with the nose ring, which I find very cool and edgy. But Lisa Herbel just announced this weekend that she's done as a Seattle City Councilwoman. She said she's not going to run for re-election next year. Now, I don't know if this is because she sees a wave of anti-incumbency coming to the council, but there are seven members, seven of the nine, are up for re-election next year. And if the people of Seattle have had it with those seven and the council in general, then maybe she's starting to get some polling. Maybe she's starting to get some information that she's going to be swept out. But uh, let's hope so. Let's hope that there are decent candidates to challenge these seven and that we have a massive overhaul of people who will stand up against crime and criminals, uh, not be in favor of mentally ill drug addicts throwing people downstairs. The current council endorses that by their inaction. Uh, and that's what I was telling you. know, the other thing, I'm going to miss Lisa Herbold, though. One of the most notorious. Now, Nicole, you were, you were producing when when this happened with Herbold, right? Yes, I was. You were with mm-hmm. me then. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one of the most notorious incidents in our show's history involved Lisa Herbold because uh, one morning, about 11 o'clock, our news desk gets a a phone call from a Seattle Times reporter who's asking for me. I run over to the desk because, you know, when the Seattle Times asks me to jump, I say, how high? So I I, uh, go and I take the call and they say, did you have anything to do with this trailer in front of Lisa Herbold's house? Now, I had on air, as the trailer epidemic was just beginning in Seattle, as they were filling residential and commercial streets, I said, you know, the only neighborhoods and blocks that seem to be untouched are the ones where the city council members live. And I had thought about organizing, uh, and I, I started to get a bunch of listeners who volunteered their trailers. They said, yeah, my trailer's junk. It's worth nothing. You can uh, you can tow that and put it in front of the council members' houses. So I thought about it. But then a, a couple of things. Number one, their neighbors didn't ask to be living next to a knucklehead Seattle City Council member. So I felt bad about doing that to the neighbors. And I've also believed that people's homes should largely be off limits. Even though a lot of the you know garbage that they impose on others uh you know goes to your home, you know, we're number two in the nation in packages being stolen off of front porch. Number two in the nation, Seattle and Tacoma is. Uh, and that's because of the crime that's been aided and abetted. So they don't mind sending the criminal element to your home. But just because they do that, two wrongs do not make a right. And I did not want to send that potential problem into their neighborhoods and their homes. But I had mused about it on the air. I had talked about it. 
And so uh, 11 o'clock, I get this phone call. Seattle Times is convinced that I orchestrated this trailer being towed in front of Lisa Herbold's house. And then we're talking on air, and one of our reporters goes over and uh, starts covering it because I had nothing to do with it. Then one of our listeners, Matt, Matt goes over there with a can of spray paint, and he spray paints Dory for governor on the side of the trailer, and then that's the picture that the Seattle Times ran on the front page, even though I had nothing to do with this. And then it turns out, we found out uh, a day or two later, that uh, the trailer belonged to a young couple. They'd fallen on some really real hard times, and they uh, they had just purchased it for like a hundred bucks. And they they needed a place to just set it down until they could figure out where they were going to park it. And it was an absolute one hundred percent coincidence that they set it down in front of Lisa Herbold's house, <laughs> which. Proves that God has a fantastic sense of humor, and uh, and I had the young woman and her father on the show, and uh, and, and they they t- shared their story, but it was just a absolute coincidence. And then I gave them, even though I had nothing to do with it, I gave them a couple hundred bucks so uh, they could pay to scrub the graffiti off it of. Me for governor. But anyway, when I saw that Lisa Herbold was retiring, I just remembered that was one of the more delightful moments in our little show's history. So wow. to Lisa I think Herbold, we can look back at it now and think it was delightful. At the time, it was a little chaotic and stressful. It was kind of stressful. Yeah, we had we had a, an adventure with that one. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But once I've we had... figured it all out, it, it you know, well, it turned out okay for most of us yeah you know that's the thing though many of my management adventures i had nothing to do with it that's an example management told me when we built the shed out on the sidewalk were you here for that yep oh yeah so uh, this is when the homeless uh, drug out, one of, a group from somewhere like Virginia or something, they built a shed uh, close to Cairo TV, close to the Space Needle, and they just started adding on and adding on, and it became this big, huge, covering all of the sidewalk, uh, you know, wooden shed. And I, to point point uh, at the Seattle City Council, I wasn't poking fun at the homeless. I was poking fun at the Seattle City Council that allowed people to build sheds like that. So I asked listeners, I said, hey, do you guys want to help me build a shed on the sidewalk outside of Cairo Radio? And lo and behold, boom, we start getting all these generous donations of uh, of plywood and two-by-fours and people with construction skills. And, you know, 9 o'clock on that morning, people start showing up with all these supplies. And, you know, I got a hammer out, and we start building the shed. And I broadcast from the shed. And if I do say so myself, it was a, it was a pretty good little radio stunt. But, uh, and... and <sighs> How do I tell this story without getting in trouble? Yeah. Our man, we had a manager at the time 
who told me it was a genius idea. Because I ran it by them. Because I said, hey, I don't know if there's going to be any liability issues. And I'm going to tear it down right at 3 o'clock because I don't want squatters coming in there overnight because then there would be liability problems. But, oh, yes, that's genius. What a way to shine a light on our politicians' inaction on this issue. And a couple people said, oh, it's making fun of the homeless. And all of a sudden, the same managers are outraged at me. And I said, you approved it. You told me it was great. I shouldn't get all worked up again. Yeah, oh, probably yeah. not. I shake my neck out. Cause that, yeah, when I get worked up, that's when, that's when trouble seems to end. So, so anyway, that's my uh, long way of saying happy trails to the grandma with a nose ring. My aunt's she's, really going to miss that nickname. She's cool. Edgy. Yeah, that. See, we're going to have to bring that back once in a while just for fun. Oh, we will. We'll find okay, it. Okay, good. That is your big lead this hour. The Big Lead on Cairo Radio. Oh, man. I love taking trips down memory lane. Just reminds <laughs> me how much fun we've had here. Okay, uh, and much more to come, by the way. Okay, we're going to check the news for you, and then we will continue. I, I have another story that's in the news that reminded me of why I am more of a classic liberal than any of these phony posers who say that they're leftists. I'll explain. Coming up next here on the Dory Monson Show. I want to correct a, mistake, a rare mistake that I made earlier. I was talking about how Elon Musk said that he now claims his pronouns are, and I said impeach and Fauci. No, it's prosecute and Fauci. Several listeners on the text line brought that to my attention. But Elon Musk says his pronouns are now prosecute and Fauci. After some of the stuff he's seen in the Twitter files. I can't wait to dive in. Because part five of the Twitter files was released after we went on the air today. So I haven't had time to really get into it to see what other juicy secrets are being spilled. But uh, it's been pretty ugly and nasty. What we found out, one, one of the things we found out in the latest stuff is that there were Twitter executives in charge of kicking people out of Twitter who said that Donald Trump didn't say anything worthy of being kicked off Twitter. And they said nothing in that tweet that they cited for the reason they gave him the boot. Nothing violates our standards. And yet uh, the Ayatollah Khomeini, Khomeini had sent out a tweet about how uh, he's going to ensure the death of Israel. He was allowed to keep his Twitter account, but Trump was not. So fascinating stuff coming up. It's really important stuff, too, because you have one of the most powerful communication platforms on the planet. And it's being proven just how radically leftist it has gotten. Now, speaking of the radical left, when I, was a, when I wore a younger man's clothes, I was a liberal. When I was a little kid... I was a liberal who thought being a government mooch was a way to get through life. Man, I'm glad I got away from that mentality. But I still, in many ways, am 
what would be considered a classic liberal. I believe in your freedom. I believe in your freedom to disagree with me. I believe in your freedom to act differently than me. And I thought about that as I was reading a, a story about this girl at Virginia Tech who played on the soccer team, the women's soccer team there, Kirsten Henning, great player. As a freshman, she appeared in all 22 games, started 19 of them. As a sophomore, she played all 19 matches, was a starter in the last 18. She played more minutes than anybody except for one teammate of all the girls on the team. She was number two in minutes. And then things changed dramatically for Kirsten Henning. The season opener for Virginia Tech's 2020-21 season was on September 12th of 2020. And her team had decided that they were all going to kneel to show support for the social justice movement and Black Lives Matter. Well, this one girl, Kirsten Anning, she said that she did not want to kneel. She told her coach. Charles Chugger Adair. Uh, she told her coach, yeah, I don't want to kneel. I'm, I will stand for the anthem. And the coach just started a campaign of abuse and retaliation. Uh, a, a court has just reviewed her case, and they said there is evidence that this coach benched her, subjected her to repeated verbal abuse, and eventually forced her off the team. He singled her out, verbally attacked her, pointed a finger directly in her face, denounced her for B-word and moaning, for being selfish and individualistic, and he denounced her for, quote, doing her own thing. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. Back in the 60s and 70s, weren't you hailed? by liberals, by the left, for doing your own thing, for not walking in lockstep, for daring to march to the beat of a different drum? That was what was admired most. Now, the radical left <coughs> condemns it. If you don't do what we tell you to do, what, we for, what the mob tells you to do. And let me give you a real-life example of how I live the way I talk about this. And I've mentioned this story before, I'm pretty sure, uh, when I coached high school basketball for 10 years. And as a public high school coach, you are a government employee. And I believe that it's not up to the government to tell people what they must think, believe, and feel. And as a coach uh, on matters of personal, when it was you know legitimate, well thought out. So I had two girls over those 10 years who asked me if they had to stand for, we would either do the Pledge of Allegiance or the National Anthem before games. And two girls asked me if they had to stand. This was long, long, long before the kneeling for social justice. But I, I asked them, why? Why do you not want to stand with your team, your teammates? And one, girl, one of the girls was a Jehovah's Witness, and she said it was against her faith to you know, pledge to the flag. And another girl was Muslim. And she said she would be more comfortable uh, sitting for the anthem. And I told both of them, I said, absolutely. That's your right to do so. Uh, I said, you know, just be respectful. 
be respectful, honor your teammates who are all standing. Uh, as soon as the anthem's over, jump up, be in the circle with everybody, be part of a team immediately. But I told both these. It turns out one of them never did sit because she decided she would rather stand with her team than, and I, honest to goodness, I don't remember if that was the Muslim or the Jehovah's Witness girl. I, I just don't remember. But one did sit just a couple of times, and that was it. But uh, to me, that's classic liberalism, that you want to think, feel, and believe in a way different from me? Of course. That's America. But now the left is about, you want to think, feel, and believe different from me? Then you will be condemned. We'll kick you off the team. We'll call you the B word. You must conform. That's being a leftist liberal in 2022. You will do what we tell you to do, and we will be fascists about it. Isn't that interesting how things evolve? The so-called lefty liberals are now the fascists. And people like me continue to believe the same thing that I've always believed. I haven't changed that much. The world has. Okay, quick time out, and then we'll count down our favorite sound bites of the day. Awesome audio next here on the Dory Monson Show. tell you today is one of those days that gives me optimism that we are winning the war against insanity the insanity of the left and a, a text message that i got or that i just saw now is one of the things that is encouraging to me about this uh so i told the story earlier today about how the nhl commissioner last week said that he wanted more women including women of color Playing in the NHL. Looking at the hockey landscape in five years, what does progress look like to both of you? Commissioner Bevan. To me, to, to me, progress looks like uh, that we become more reflective of the communities in which our teams play. That there are more black players of both sexes, players of color of both sexes, and that we are more diverse than we've been. Okay, so he wants women playing in the NHL, he says. Black women, people of color women in the NHL, which is insane. Uh, so anyway, here's the text, because this shows me that to defend this, people on the left, they have to twist themselves into such pretzels uh, this is from the 360. Bro, you're sounding just like those guys that insisted black players could never be quarterback. You're going to have to let go of your caveman-like beliefs. If you think that that's an accurate analogy, when I followed up that NHL soundbite with the story about a biological woman's team played a biological men's team and a guy a foot taller than a woman slammed her down and she laid motionless on the ice with a concussion for 17 minutes. And the men on the ice were all, uh, many of them were a foot taller than the women. If you think that that has any relation to the, the prejudice that blacks can't play quarterback that existed 40, 50 years ago. Well, that shows that we are winning. Because people 
are are left with some of the the stupidest arguments imaginable to try to hold on to the insanity. And that's where we are right now. Women cannot play at the highest level of sports because there are biological, physiological disadvantages. That's it. Period. That's not going to change. That's not about prejudice. That's about being a little bit aware of biology. Uh, okay, with all that as mere prelude, let's get to our favorite sound bites of the day. This is Dory Monson's awesome audio clips of the day. Here, here's another example of how twisted up in pretzels. This is a Pennsylvania school board member. Uh, they are trying to decide who's going to be the president of the school board. And there is a white guy who everyone agrees would be the best candidate. But pretzel time! I believe that Mr. DeLeo would make an excellent president. However, I feel that electing the only cis white male on this board, president of this district, sends the wrong message to our community. A message that is contrary to what we as a board have been trying to accomplish. I think that it's important that we practice what we preach and that our words have strength when they are spoken, whether we speak them from the neighborhood sidewalks or from behind these tables. Wow. And she said it out loud. She's not going to vote for the best candidate because he's a cis white male. We're winning because only idiocy is making the case on the other side now. All right, uh, and finally, uh, as we noted, a uh, friend of our radio show and somebody who's just one of the most engaging figures in the world of sports, Mike Leach, former Cougar football coach, now at Mississippi State. He is in critical condition, and uh, it sounds very grave. He had a massive uh, heart attack. And, man, I love talking to him every time. Uh, like when my first of my daughters was getting married, Back in 2017, Mike Leach gave me a little bit of advice. The women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And um, and they're going to they're going to barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which, of course, my answer was, I don't care. And then, uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're going to get caught in a catch-22, and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch-22 is, well, I want you to be a part of this, too. Uh, so what color invitations? Invitations. Um, all right, the blue ones. Well, I kind of like uh, I kind of like the tan ones. Okay, the tan ones then. Oh, you're just saying that because uh, uh, you want this over with. You're not even thinking about it, which is of course true. Uh, what do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Oh, well, I like oh, the blueberry pie. It went with his wedding advice. So, uh, prayers to Mike Leach. His wife, his family, uh, as he's fighting for his life at a hospital in Mississippi. But just one of the most unique, charismatic people in all the world of sport. Fighting, fighting right now. 
All right. God bless Mike Leach. God bless you in these crazy times. John Curley and Sherry Elker show is coming up next. We will see you back here tomorrow. High noon. Hey, noon.